Hi friends, Fred Harrell here. Thanks for tuning in to the weekly City Church Sermon Podcast. Just a note that as we continue to shelter in place here in San Francisco, we will be bringing you our Sunday Sermon audio recording via Skype over a Facebook Live broadcast. So if the audio quality seems like a little lower than normal, then now you know what's happening. We just wanted you to know. You can join us on Facebook Live each Sunday at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening and subscribing to our podcast. The scripture reading today is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 11, verses 16 through 19 and 25 through 30. Jesus said to the crowd, To what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, You offer us rest, a deep abiding rest that carries us through difficult times. You want to give us the kind of rest that will heal our brokenness. Help us hear your word today as an invitation, a promise that gives us hope for our journey. We ask these things in your name. Amen. When I read this part of Matthew 11, the first thing that comes to my mind is, wow, that escalated quickly. The various interactions in this whole chapter of Matthew 11 have several focal points. Each little soliloquy can be its own sermon, but these aren't completely separate stories. These interactions happen one right after the other, and they're all connected. Earlier in this chapter, John the Baptist sends his disciples to ask Jesus if he's the one they're expecting, or are they expecting another, the Messiah? After Jesus gives them an indirect and somewhat poetic answer, John's disciples leave. Then Jesus addresses the crowd that has gathered. We aren't told who is in this crowd exactly, but we get an idea of the type of people who have gathered by what he says next. But to what will I compare this generation It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus turns and addresses the crowd. 
He addresses the judgment, the gossip, maybe even the disapproving looks he's getting as the crowd listens in on the message he sends to his cousin John. This crowd probably has a lot of religious people, people in a profession like mine, who think they are calling the shots. They think they get to decide what is in or out of bounds. Jesus isn't having it, and here he decides to address it directly. In his address, Jesus confronts the powerful, lifts up the powerless, and offers rest to the weary. First, Jesus confronts the powerful boldly and directly. The people he's confronting are powerful and confident enough to pass judgment on John and Jesus. They are probably religious leaders, teachers, priests, lawyers, and in those days, lawyers were people who determined how to follow the religious laws properly. The Roman government held the political power, and they were occupying this land and these people. This left very little power for these leaders to wield, but the religious leaders were the ones who could say whether or not someone was in good favor with God. They had religious power, and they used this power boldly and often without compassion, maybe much like we see in our world today. The religious authorities were not impressed with John or Jesus. Jesus seems to be angry and fed up with the nonsense. He tells them that their critiques are like the kind of childish bullying where no matter what you do, you're guilty of wrongdoing. Clearly, trolling did not start with social media. It just became more public. That is what this bullying sounds like, trolling. This crowd is there for the purpose of finding fault. And Jesus will not be a pawn in their religious game. This is timeless. This could be most groups of powerful people from any time or place. Power doles out power to those who will be faithful to the dominant group. Outsiders stay outside. Insiders can do no wrong. Outsiders can do no right. This is a timeless truth about power. And here, Jesus is the targeted outsider. This is by design. Jesus gave up his power and came here as a poor, unimpressive person with no earthly power. God is the defender of the weak. God upholds and helps the marginalized. Jesus could have given a display of power, but he came to earth intentionally identifying with the weak and the disregarded. He confronts this crowd to reveal their duplicitous nature. They are saying that John and Jesus were both out of bounds. According to the religious leaders, John and Jesus were both displeasing to God. These leaders were wrong. And by confronting them, Jesus shows that they are disingenuous and are using their power to keep people they don't like away from God's grace and mercy, if that were possible. Jesus calls them out and exposes their abuse of power. As we follow Jesus, we should be willing to call out abuses of power when we see them. Next, Jesus elevates the powerless. 
His speech changes direction and lifts up the weak. He mentions children, but based on what he says here, you could also include anyone of humble means or ability. He tells them that the things of God are hidden from the wise and intelligent. He's describing the crowd he was just confronting. In that time, when many people worked in agriculture and trades, the religious leaders were the people who were considered wise and intelligent. They could read. They studied the ancient texts to determine the will of God. These were the wise men, the gurus of the day. Jesus is saying that the things of God are hidden from the wise and intelligent. He's saying that the things of God are hidden from the religious leaders. This is a message of hope to every outsider in that crowd, everyone who was too poor to afford a proper animal sacrifice. In that day, it would be a message of hope to every woman who couldn't have children or whose husband had divorced her, every eunuch, every tax collector. Jesus is saying that if this group of religious leaders has told you that God isn't for you, it's because the things of God are hidden from them they don't understand. This word, word in verse 25 that is translated hidden is the Greek word crypto. So rather than thinking of the things of God as being hidden like a buried treasure, in this passage, it's more like they're hidden in plain sight. They are encrypted. The intelligent leader, particularly the person relying on their own intelligence to understand God, the leader eager to dispense hard truths to people as an act of tough love. Jesus is saying that person thinks they see, but they don't actually understand. The things of God are crypto, hidden. I love puzzles, all kinds of puzzles. Jigsaws, crosswords, Sudoku, puzzles probably make up 50% of my phone apps. So I was overjoyed when I discovered that the word hidden here was crypto in the Greek. When I was a kid, we didn't have the internet, so I had to rely on puzzle books from the grocery store to get my puzzle fix. In that era, cryptograms were everywhere. If you haven't done a cryptogram, this is a puzzle that takes a phrase or a sentence and replaces each letter with a different letter. So all the E's are represented by B's, all the B's are represented by T's, and on and on. So the sentence is unrecognizable until you figure out a few letters and start to write, write them above their replacements, like Wheel of Fortune style. And usually there's a small word like and or the that becomes the clue, it becomes the key to figuring out the rest of the puzzle. However, if the three-letter word is and, but you solve that word as the, you will replace those letters incorrectly and get just more confused by coming up words with words that may fit that key, but they're wrong, and the resulting sentence won't make any more sense than the original jumbled sentence. These religious leaders are approaching God and leading the people with the assumption that they are the ones who are wise and intelligent. They are the ones with the power because they are good, or because God has chosen them or blessed them. They're treating the people on the margins as though they are bad or cursed. Jesus flips that script and not only says that the intelligent don't understand, he also tells them it's the little children who do understand the things of God. Uneducated, powerless children. Humble, unassuming children. 
and not only children, but whomever Jesus chooses to reveal these things. And we know from the Gospels that Jesus chose to reveal the things of God to the poor people, tax collectors, Samaritans, women, and the list goes on. Jesus stands with the marginalized and the weak and the humble. He lived that way and he died that way. As we follow Jesus, we should be careful not to assume we are the wise ones who get it. We should live with a posture of humility, always ready to listen to those being pushed to the margins, even if that means we become a target as well. Because this text tells us that those people in humble situations see the things of God more clearly. Finally, Jesus offers an invitation to any who are weary. At first glance, it would seem as if this invitation was only offered to those in the crowd who were weak or powerless because they have to labor under the overbearing rules of these powerful leaders. But I think this invitation is an open invitation to everyone who is weary. The marginalized are weary because they can never live up to the demands put on them. The religious leaders may also be weary because they can never let down their facade of perfection. I mean, it's not an equal kind of weary, but I think the invitation is open to all who are weary. The catch is that Jesus has already said that the things of God are hidden to the wise and intelligent. It will take humility for these leaders to follow Jesus. And we see in the end that some do take that harder path of following him. The weak, the powerless, the outcast, the humble, the children have the advantage of being more receptive to the teachings of Jesus. Maybe the things of God are clearer because they are humble, or maybe because they need God's help as they are stuck in an unfair system. Come to me, all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. This is difficult because following Jesus doesn't remove unfair religious or governmental systems. The early Christians experienced torture and death at the hands of both. So like Psalm 23, where our shepherd walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus is saying we can find rest in the middle of an unfair system, even if that system stays in place. Come to me, all who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I think this is difficult for everyone. The person who is following Jesus, the person who puts on a good Christian smile every Sunday, the person who donates to the right causes, who volunteers in underserved areas, sometimes these people also don't have rest. In the past 30 years of trying to follow Jesus, this verse has been a mystery to me at times. As a new Christian, this rest was elusive. It didn't matter how good I was, how helpful I was, or how much I learned, I didn't experience rest. Now, I didn't pick this text today. The lectionary picked it for me. A few months ago when I was asked to preach on this date, I looked up the text for today and I literally laughed out loud and said, good one, God, because this text was my nemesis for years. I felt like it mocked me as I tried to achieve this rest by following Jesus with all the sincerity I could muster. 
if you are also trying to achieve this rest. We need to go back and look at the clue in the preceding section. These things are hidden from the wise and intelligent. I like to learn, and I want to learn in such a way that I'll be wise. I had been approaching this like it was something to be figured out, like I could learn my way into communion with God. The things of God are hidden like a puzzle, but it's not one we can hack into with our own wisdom or intelligence or power. If this rest that Jesus promises is elusive, we have to recognize that maybe we've tried to solve this cryptogram using the wrong clues and incorrect premise. We, the intelligent, have solved this puzzle through studying more when we should have focused on communing with God. We, the wise, have solved this puzzle by focusing on behavior, which has caused us to hyper-focus on others' behavior to try to determine everyone's level of obedience so we know who's in or out. The key to this cryptogram that children easily see and the intelligent don't is that God loves us. God loves us all, and this offer is open to all. If you have felt like the promise in this passage comes up short, I invite you to press pause on your assumptions, your learning about God, and your work for God. I invite you to rest in the love of God that God has already given you. God loves you. God loves you more than you could ever dare to hope. Come to Jesus and you will find rest. If you can't seem to please anyone, if you've lapsed back into your addiction, if you're not sure you believe any of this, if you've done everything you're supposed to but you're exhausted, know that God loves you. Come to Jesus. Let him wrap his loving arms around you because this is where you will find rest. Please pray with me. Loving God, give us patience for the journey ahead strength to pick up our cross as we follow you and continually remind us of your love. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.